Hey, everybody, this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I am your host. My name is Stephen Cox. Hello. This week, Stephen Hassan is one of the leading experts on the subject of cults. His new book, The Cult of Trump, details the many methods infamous cult leaders like Jim Jones, David Koresh, and Sun Myung Moon used to keep their followers obedient and unquestioning. And he draws direct parallels between them and the current occupant of the White House and the tactics he employs to exercise control over his base. One of the key things is to create a black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil story in people's minds where people feel like they're special and they're chosen and they're going to be part of the solution. But there are also all of these devils and enemies. Yeah, that sounds familiar. That is all ahead. So stay with us. My guest Stephen Hassan is one of America's leading experts on cults, having helped individuals successfully exit cults and other destructive relationships since 1976, when he himself was deprogrammed from Sun Young Moon's Unification Church. He is now a teacher at Harvard Medical School, and his most recent book details how Donald Trump has successfully used cult-like techniques to solidify his control over the Republican Party and to create a base of devotees who are seemingly impervious to his lies and competence and criminal behavior. The book is The Cult of Trump, and Stephen Hassan joins us now to talk about it. Stephen, it's so good to talk to you. Welcome. Hi. Thank you, Stefan, for having me on. So I would love to start by talking about your own experience with cults. As I mentioned, you were a member of Sun Young Moon's Unification Church, also known as the Moonies. How were you indoctrinated? Can you talk about that process? Sure. Uh, Different uh, time. I was 1974. I was 19 years old. Uh, By the way, I grew up 1.3 miles from Donald Trump. Oh, did you really? So you grew up in Queens? Yeah, I'm a New Yorker. I was raised conservative Jewish. Uh, I was 19. My girlfriend had dumped me and three women approached me in the cafeteria at Queens College and started flirting with me. I had no interest in changing my religion or dropping out of college or becoming part of a fascistic group. But essentially, uh, like most people who get into uh, destructive cults, I was deceptively recruited. In other words, you don't know up front who they are, what they believe and what they want from you. But it's it's an incremental process of indoctrination. What did they say to you specifically? Uh, at the very beginning, it was very love bombing and, oh, you're special and you're so smart and you're so, you know, uh, talented and 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 those types of things. Um, and and in, in the beginning, because I became a cult recruiter, uh, you wanted to gather as much information about their background as possible. And then you wanted to spin the group to fit their their uh, model as much as possible. So if you knew someone was Jewish, you wouldn't talk a lot about Jesus and the New Testament. If you knew they were Christian, you would. If if you knew they were an atheist, you wouldn't talk a lot about God at all. You talk about making the world a better place, uh, ending poverty and crime and, and that sort of thing. As far as the techniques that were used on me uh, to recruit and indoctrinate me, uh, there, w- there was a lot of sleep deprivation. There was a lot of information overload as a way of kind of uh, numbing, numbing me out in terms of 
having more information than I could actually analyze and digest in my initial workshop situation. They installed phobias, irrational fears of Satan, which I didn't believe in prior to being in the Moonies. I uh, was taught to do thought stopping. Over the- you, you bring this up in the book, but can you just tell us briefly what thought stopping is? Sure. Thought thought stopping is a behavior modification technique where people are taught to shut down any negative thoughts. And in the case of destructive cults, any negative thoughts about the leader, the doctrine or the group. So in in the case of the Moonies, we we were indoctrinated to believe that Satan and evil spirits were everywhere and they were constantly trying to invade us. And so whenever someone would challenge uh, my belief system, like my father once called me up and he said, how, how can Moon, the Messiah, have an M16 gun factory? I immediately started chanting in my mind, crush Satan, crush Satan, glory to heaven, peace on earth, glory to heaven, peace on earth, mm. um, as, as a defense mechanism to keep me in the cult mindset. And I think it's important for your listeners to understand that there's a lot that we now understand about how the mind works and the fact that we have unconscious biases, that we're not rational, even though people would like to believe they could, it could never happen to them, that they could get into a cult. The, right. the circumstances matter a lot. And lack of education about how to discern whether someone is trying to recruit you into a destructive cult is actually very critical. Over the decades, over 40 years of becoming a therapist and helping people get out of cults, I I think it's easiest to explain to folks to think about mind control in terms of four overlapping components, behavior control techniques, information control thought control, and then emotional control techniques, all that are used together to make someone dependent and obedient on the group. Yeah, and that's what you refer to in the book as, as the bite method. Um, I, I would love to just kind of hear how your experience with the Moonies concluded. At what point did you leave, and, and how did you get out? So my, my involvement lasted uh, two and a half years. I was promoted very high up as an American, which didn't mean I had any power, but I had position. I was considered to be the model member at one point by Moon himself. But how I got out was essentially an accident where I fell asleep at the wheel of a van due to sleep exhaustion, where I broke my leg, was in the hospital for several weeks away from the group. At which point I reached out to my sister, the one person I was very close with before the cult and who never attacked the cult as a cult or told me that I was brainwashed. And she basically, you know, appealed to me uh, on an emotional level. She she said, you have a nephew you haven't seen yet. I want him to know his Uncle Stevie. Come and visit. And I made her promise not to tell my parents, but she did. And they arranged a deprogramming, which was an intervention to get me to step back and reevaluate whether uh, or not the Moonies were legitimate and whether or not there was brainwashing. It was something that I resisted vehemently in the beginning, the first day. And it was when my father started to cry and said, how would you feel if it was your son who got involved with a controversial group and disappeared? 
You know, would you, you know, how would you feel about that? And it was a powerful emotional moment where I stepped out of my shoes into his shoes and kind of thought back over the last two and a half years. And I saw that he had justification to be really worried about me. And I wanted to prove to my family I wasn't brainwashed. So I, I agreed voluntarily to stay for several more days, listen to the ex-members, learn about brainwashing. And they told me more or less I could go back to the group if I wanted to at the end of the day. But they just really wanted to be reassured that they, you know, that I was thinking for myself and making my own decisions. Fortunately, I woke up on the fifth day and I was like, oh my God, he's a liar. If he's a liar, I can't trust him. If I can't trust him, how could he be a man of God? And my, my brain started thinking analytically again and, and the bubble burst and then it was out. That is uh, just a, a fascinating story. And I think it has a lot of applications, uh, sadly, to what we are seeing with uh, people who follow Donald Trump. And I, I definitely want to get your take on that in just a moment. But, you know, let's start by defining some of the terms that you add in the book. So sure. let's define what you mean when you say a cult. You say that cults exist on a continuum. How so? So I, I know that your listeners can't see this, but uh, in my, on my website, freedomofmind.com, and in my, my books, I have an influence continuum from ethical, constructive influence to destructive, unhealthy influences. And I, have, and I will I'm, have a link for people to check that out at indivisiblepodcast.org. So legitimate groups tell you up front who they are, what they believe and what they want from you before they try to pressure you to, to join. And in healthy groups, you're free to leave if you're not happy. Yeah, you you're, you're, uh, you actually say being a, a fan of a sports team or even being like somebody who follows Bruce Springsteen would be an yeah, example. Exactly. You're not told what you can read, what you can't read. You're not you don't have irrational fears that terrible things are going to happen to you if you question the leader or leave it. So there's some very dramatic differences between healthy influence groups and unhealthy ones. The unhealthy ones really get to the point where they create a pseudo identity uh, that suppresses your, your real identity. So in my Mooney self, I, I, I wanted to be Moon. I wanted to be a small Sun Myung Moon, to think like him, feel like him, walk like him, talk like him, and uh, be um, a total fanatic, basically, for God to impose his version of reality on everybody else. But in terms of uh, the whole issue of a cult, I say there are, there are healthy benign cults and there are destructive cults. And the destructive cults all have malignant narcissists as leaders. And they're almost always men. There are a few cults run by women, started by women, but they're almost always malignant narcissists. In other words, people who have a personality problem where they have such insecurity within themselves that they need they need to impose their version of reality on everybody else they need to they're very grandiose they they um, project onto everybody else they have no empathy they they um, uh, uh, never take accountability and they admit that they make mistakes uh, they're often paranoid they're often uh, revengeful and 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 create an atmosphere where people are afraid to say what they're actually thinking 
or to disagree with the person. Well, you're describing somebody that I think we're all uh, unfortunately very familiar with at this point, and I want to uh, really drill down on that in just a moment. But I'm I'm curious: is there a specific personality type that is more susceptible to cults? I think that there's a desire to say, oh, if you're like this, it's can happen to you. But for the most part, everybody is susceptible to certain types of cult, destructive cult recruitment. I can say that if you are high hypnotizable, which is a genetic uh, designation for a very high capacity of imagination and concentration, then you might be more manipulatable if you're if you're exposed to a group that's using a lot of hypnotic types of techniques most of the cults that i work with use altered states of consciousness techniques uh, moonies would do audible prayers for example as a way of getting people out of their analytic mind and putting ideas into their heads um, some people who are on the spectrum might be responsive to the love bombing and also the very strict rules. They may feel more comfortable with that. Um, but mostly the people who are vulnerable to mind control groups are situationally vulnerable. Yeah, so you yourself mentioned that you had recently broken up with a girlfriend and yeah. Exactly, death of a loved one, moving to a new city, state or country, something that sets them off balance. And it, it's not, for the people that I've worked with, it's not that they're looking to escape reality or escape responsibility. Most of these folks are getting involved because they want to be a better person or they want to make the world a better place. So it's more of a positive, constructive motivation rather than uh, some weakness or that they're trying to get away from. Well, so we've been alluding to him, so let's officially bring him in now. Let's talk about Trump. And I'm curious, at what point, given what you study and how long you've studied it, at what point in his run for presidency did you start to see parallels between Trump and cult leader-like characteristics? Uh, I think when I was watching him debate other Republican people, I was watching some very tricky, manipulative types of things, including loaded words that are very emotionally evocative, things that I write about in my book uh, from the hypnotic world where where something very vivid is being implanted in your mind, like build the wall right. you know, uh, or fake news is another another enemy of the people uh and then you know all of these names that he would come up for it with his opponents the thing that i wrote about in the book that really was just staggering was after he was elected and he had his first cabinet meeting and it was televised and everybody took turns extolling his praises and saying how honored they were to serve him you know, they weren't serving the Constitution, the American. Right. They were. It was all about him. And it just struck me so deeply that it felt like I was in a meeting with Moon, you know, where we where we would literally bow to the floor when he would come in the room. And it was all about just serving the great master. Yeah, it was it was a really frightening moment to watch. Um, from my perspective, I, I saw it as almost like a, a, a the sort of cabinet meeting that you would see with, say, like Kim Jong Un, someone like that. 
Yeah, and he, you know, he likes author other authoritarian leaders. I, in my research for the book, I learned that he was kind of indoctrinated to look at people as either predator or prey, and he would evaluate people in terms of is this like someone that I can get something out of and take advantage of, or or is this another one like me who likes to take advantage of other people? God, that is just so telling. Uh, wow. Um, so in the book, you run down a number of ways that Trump uh, uses cult-like tactics, specifically on his followers. Can you just detail a few of those? Sure. So um, one of the key things is is to create a black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil, you know, story in people's minds where people feel like they're special and they're chosen and they're going to be part of the solution. But there are also all of these devils and enemies that. So we it's an us to... versus them kind of thing. Totally. And yeah. and uh, so that's one thing. A lot of his his language techniques are are storytelling techniques where he even though he is a you know elitist who has a lot of real estate etc he was able to convey and talk in language to the common American where they would feel like that he was talking just to them and that he's down to earth. And he's not one of these academic types or one of these elite types. And and even though he is a pathological liar, people became you know numb to it where it didn't matter anymore. Why do you think that is? So the way the mind works, as I understand it, is we look we we feel comfortable having congruency, meaning where things line up between our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors, and and our society and our world is based on a degree of trust in our leadership. And when someone occupies a high level of leadership, like the office of the presidency, and he tells a lie, there's a huge amount of incongruence that goes on in people's mind. They get really confused and they want to resolve the confusion. And if you're patriotic, you want to support the president no matter what. Uh, But on the other hand, if he's telling lies, how can I trust him? Um, So it creates cognitive dissonance that has to be resolved in some way. Right, exactly. I'd like to quote James Comey, if I may, the former FBI head who was fired by Trump, who gave one of the best descriptions, I feel, of cognitive dissonance effects of being in a cult group. He said, when when you're sitting at a table and the guy at the head of the table tells a lie and you say to yourself, that's a lie. And then he does another lie and you say, that's that's a lie, too. But you don't call the person out for it or you don't get up and leave. Your soul bends a bit. Mm. That's what he said. Your soul bends. And and it's I think it's really true. If you're if you're sitting there and you're not saying, excuse me, sir, you misspoke. You know, it was raining during your inauguration. You're wrong. Um, And, you know, you're going to be yelled at and possibly fired. And you stuff it, and it happens time after time after time. You get conditioned into a new reality of what what, you're, what do you need to survive, 
and it literally gets molded into another identity of I, I am this role, you know, serving this man versus who you were prior to being, you know, involved with the, the, the cult group. Yeah, that's what you were speaking about earlier about losing your authentic self uh, yeah. in, in favor of this cult self or this pseudo self. Uh, Trump also presents this idealized vision with the, you know, his promise to, you know, make America great again. Talk about the importance of that. So the fantasy is really important that things are going to get better, uh, especially if people are, are struggling with their health or they're struggling financially. They want to have hope. And they're going to be more responsive to a strong figure who says confidently, trust me, I got this covered. Things are going to get better. I and alone can fix it, he said. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and confidence is a key technique of cult leaders because it won't work if the, if the communication is, 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 is questioning uh, or, or not completely congruent. Yeah, and and he also uses fear in a very specific way, right? Uh, can you speak to that? So he paints a, a, a world out of control where evil people are going to be invading us and taking us over and taking over our culture. He he, un, until very recently, a white supremacy, white nationalist uh, terrorism was not even uh, designated as such in his administration as a threat to Americans. Uh, fortunately, it, it is now. But um, his, his, uh, his worldview is such that, um, again, catastrophe if you don't do what he says and great things are going to happen. And this idyllic will make them America great again, as if it was, you know, uh, this mythic great versus it, we've had problems forever and yeah. we seem to be uh, getting deeper in having problems, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the, of course, the irony is that he is uh, one of our biggest problems himself. Uh, you also talk in the book about how he has successfully managed to take over the GOP and congressional leadership and rank and file members. Uh, how has he done that so successfully in your mind? So how it looks to me is like they've been entranced, like they have been indoctrinated. Mm. I don't know who's who exactly is doing what but they seem to have lost their their ability to think independently and they're afraid i think to to go against the president so it was only those people who decided not to run again that actually would would speak out against trump anyone who is hoping to continue in politics seem seemingly just felt like it was overwhelming pressure to uh, to fall in line and do what the Republican Party uh, dictated. Do you feel like Trump's success with these tactics, these cult leader tactics, do you feel like this is by design? Is this something that he studied? Is it is it by instinct? What, what do you think? Uh, both. I think that his father was an authoritarian. I think he was raised in a military school. He was also raised in the church of uh, Norman Vincent Peale, where he was taught to uh, believe 100 percent 
and God will manifest your dreams. And that was the power of positive thinking. Power right? of positive thinking, which is the same thing as all these prosperity ministers that uh, are in his base. Uh, Paula White is another one who just got a White House job. But this, he was taught thought stopping early on that that stop any negative thoughts. So people look at him. He's getting sued for this. He's he's losing this judgment that would devastate most people. And he acts as if it doesn't matter. And it's because he's doing thought stopping. Um, I can also tell you that in my research, I learned that Fred Trump would say to, to him and his brother, who is now deceased, uh, things like, you are a killer, you are a king, you are a killer, you are a king, you are a killer, you are over and over again into his children's minds. That That's not healthy. Yeah. Say yeah. that 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 set him up to be a cult leader uh, to to a strong extent. And uh, but then he was surrounded by people like Roy Cohen. Uh, he, you know, had dealings with the mafia, mafia of Don. So there's a certain amount of learning by exposure to other people and watching how they operate. So it, it, it's not something that necessarily came out of his background, but he learned how to do it. Uh, I do believe he, he was interested in Hitler and how did Hitler get people to believe and follow him so totally. I think that he was also in, interested in, in what's known as pickup being a pickup artist, which are techniques that men would be taught hypnotic techniques of how to get women to have sex with you. And we we know that he had at least one uh, extended uh, experience with Tony Robbins, who teaches a lot of uh, large group awareness training type things. And Tony Robbins' whole whole background, as I understand, it came from Milton Erickson and something called neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah, that was Richard Bandler uh, as yeah, well, Richard right? Richard Bandler yeah. and John Grinder, exactly. He's not a reader, but maybe he <laughs> Famously so, tapes. yeah. Maybe he watched some, some DVDs of some of the workshops uh, that Tony Robbins did, but I think he probably learned a lot of techniques there as well. Well, you know, he's he's not going to be around forever, and we're going to have to not only heal as a society, but we're going to have to learn how to live with each other. And you've talked about uh, some of the deprogramming techniques. Uh, how can those apply potentially to Trump's followers? Yeah, that's a great question. So the bottom line in my work is not to encourage people to uh, impose their version of reality on cult members because it also doesn't work. My methodology is to connect with the person, let them feel comfortable with me or you know a family member or friend of rapport and trust, and basically have an interaction where you're asking good questions, you're waiting patiently for an answer. And in that relationship building, you're sharing information about brainwashing and mind control to, to help create a foundation, an intellectual foundation that they can then later be asked questions like, if you go back in time to the first time you heard of Trump, like what was your first memory? Oh, I saw him on The Apprentice. What did you think? I thought he was a jerk. That's interesting. 
when did you think you might vote for 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 Donald Trump? You know, and kind of unpack what were the the things that made the difference. For some people, it was watching things critical of Hillary Clinton, or it was that that Bernie Sanders wasn't given a fair shake. Uh, and, and so people wanted to vote thinking that Clinton was going to win. They were going to vote as a protest vote or they were thinking they wanted to change. Different people came to Donald Trump in different ways. What I talk about in my in my book, however, are actual cult groups where there are leaders within those groups that are telling their followers, look, God is using Donald Trump. We got to be his supporter, etc. So I don't want your listeners to think that I think that that Trump followers are a homogeneous lot. There are a lot of people who will vote Republican and they don't like Trump, but they like Republican values or maybe they're religious and they, they, they like, you know, conservative judges, you know, so it has to be analyzed um, individually with people. But the, the biggest thing that I want to tell the public is stop calling Trump believers evil, stupid, brainwashed cultists, even though I wrote a book called The Cult of Trump. <laughs> don't because it's just gonna make them feel put down it's gonna make them feel judged it's and does not it gonna... make them retrench in their beliefs i think so i think so to a certain extent what you want to do is reconnect with your family and friends people that you actually know uh that you care about and maybe you haven't talked to them in two years uh or or you get into fights when you do talk with them my recommendation is say, I miss you. I'd like to, you know, be, I want you back in my life. Can we agree in the beginning to put a box around things political and let's like stay away from it and let's just, you know, have turkey together for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, we've got an opportunity coming up right now, uh, potentially to do some of the right. things that you're talking about. So build rapport and trust and relationship and express curiosity and, and, and let them talk. Like, tell me what you think. Like, I'm really curious. And they'll probably, you know, express very uh, ideological, you know, things that they heard on Fox News, but let them talk. But then once they've talked, then you can start unpacking that. So if you believe that, tell me what you make of this or that. But again, it's not in a win-lose, um, I'm right, you're wrong mode. It's more like, hey, we're all human beings and we're all struggling to do the best that we can to make sense of reality. And we need to live together, yeah. you know, and you're important. There's so much more. I mean, I've written sure. three other books on how to help people get out of cults. But I do think it's going to be uh, a combination of, of, of reaching out to the people you know and care about directly, as well as things that can be done online to kind of educate everybody about brainwashing and mind control. Well, I think your book is a great place to start. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining us on the show today to talk about it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Stefan. Stephen Hassan's book is The Cult of Trump. 
And that is it for this week's show. If you missed anything, if you would like to catch up on some past shows, if you would like a link to where you can buy Stephen Hassan's book, you can find all of that and more at indivisiblepodcast.org. And you can subscribe to the show there too. If you would like to get in touch with me, the email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com and the Twitter handle is at indivisiblepod. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastus. Our associate producer is Charlotte Gittleman. Thank you again to my guest, Stephen Hassan. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.